Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me. I'm here today to share some testimonies. Periodically with our newsletter, we send out a Bible worker testimony or an evangelism testimony or a Sabbath school testimony. We've just recently run a program called Local Missions Training in the Northern Rivers. And that, it replaced a rise in 2021 because we had to cancel the program due to the coronavirus. And so we did Local Missions Training, was which was essentially... Arise with a different name and without Ty Gibson. We've got three of the students here who I brought to, to converse with me and to share a little bit about their experiences. The girls' names are Aisha, Talia, and Lily. And thank you so much for joining me, girls. Good to, Happy be, to be here. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are relatively young. And so do you want to maybe just introduce yourself to the larger church family and those who receive our newsletter? Sure. My name's Lily, as Matt mentioned. I'm just recently a seven-day Adventist. I've been going to Kingscliff and Mawulambar in between, and I've been part of the program for the last couple of months, and it's been a blessing. My name is Talia Evans. I'm 18, and I have been in the church my whole life, but then dropped out and then came back and recently got baptized with the girls that I'm with at the moment as well, which is super awesome. And yeah, it's been a great blessing in the past few months to get to know everybody on a more personal level. I'm Aisha, I'm also 18, and I've grown up a Seventh-day Adventist, but I only recently got baptised with Lily and Talia as well, and was a part of the LMT Local Missions Training Program, and all of us are now doing Bible working in Newcastle, so yeah, it's really exciting. Unreal. So before I ask you what inspired you each to do Local Missions Training, like to sign up and to do it, and you guys, I guess you were all signed up for a rise before Local Missions, but... I just before I ask you what inspired you to apply for the program, you guys were just recently baptized as Seventh Day Adventists. Mm. What affected that? What because you had association with the Adventist Church for a decent amount of time. Mm. Why just now? Yeah, I'll start. I guess for me, I've yeah, I've always been brought up Christian, but I just didn't know like the Seventh Day Adventist stance on a lot of biblical truths. In fact, I didn't know them for myself. And so throughout the program, before being baptised, it was an amazing opportunity to learn that from the Bible and to find the doctrines that I didn't know. And so with having all of that knowledge and knowing what I believe now and claiming that for myself, I was able to think, okay, this is a community that I want to be a part of, a church family that I truly believe is the, the truth. So you're, you're, you attended an Adventist church before you were baptized? Yes, correct. Yep. yep. So just, just didn't see the need to say, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. No, because I, I guess I didn't really know everything about it. So I was like, I'll just, I'll keep learning. And then when I feel ready, yeah. Cool. Okay. I When I was little, I'd never really... There was never really a large emphasis on baptism, so I never really thought it was important in my life or that it needed to happen at all. And when the idea of baptism got introduced, I was always, I've done a lot wrong and I'll keep sinning afterwards. I don't think that I can get baptized because in my head, I thought that you had to be perfect after baptism to be able to do it. And I thought, man, I have so many things that I'm struggling with. I won't be able to do it. So I always put it off. And then when I came to local missions training, we were getting taught about the importance of baptism, why we do it like what it's for and it really opened up my eyes to it and I decided that I would get baptized but I wouldn't get baptized until I knew exactly what I was getting baptized for and what I believed in as a Seventh-day Adventist because I didn't want to get baptized and then people asked me about my faith and not have the answers to it and and be confused I don't really know what I believe but I got baptized into it so I would have rather to have a foundational understanding of what I was getting baptized into 
And then when I did have that after local missions training, then I got baptized. Awesome. Yes. Ever since I was little, I was brought up Seventh-day Adventist in the church and stuff. So I knew about all the Bible stories, and but I never really studied it for myself, what we as Seventh-day Adventists believe. And when we did local missions training, like prophecy was a big part of what we were learning. And I feel like that was like one of the biggest things that I was missing out on growing up. Never heard the word till I was in year 10 in Bible class with Mr. Fua. And yeah, so we studied baptism as well. And I remember one of our other classmates, Caleb, Boris, I was asking him the question in front of the whole class, why aren't you baptised? And also Talia and Lily and myself were not either, but he decided to ask Caleb that question. And he said, I don't know. What's and holding he's, you back? Yeah. yeah, what's holding you back? And then he said, I'm not ready. And then he's like, why aren't you ready? And he's like, I don't know. And then I was resonating exactly with Caleb. I was like, why? Yeah. And it's why? weird because even though he was asking Caleb those questions, it felt like he was asking everybody Everyone. those questions. Like he was looking at Caleb, but everybody else was sitting there going, why aren't we baptised? Yeah. And I guess understanding what we believe and what I believe myself, then I made the decision to get baptized. Yeah. So good. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is it fair for me to take from what you said that learning about the prophecies of scripture helped you personally to see the relevance of Adventism? Yep. That's definitely. Fair. That's what yep. you're saying. Amen. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome because I, I feel that there's somewhat a shying away from that when it comes to communicating to young people. Like young Adventist kids, we think we don't want to scare them. We want to bring them to Jesus before we talk about heavy end time things. But you're someone who is saying, as a young woman, as a teenager, I became convinced personally that I was called by God to become a Seventh-day Adventist because I was taught the prophecies. And I saw it and made, I got it. Praise God. It's not that it wasn't hard to understand at times and complex because there were times where we left the classroom feeling confused. But to actually have the access and the pastor or the lecturer willing to share some, was like enabling for us to understand it on a, yeah, a better level. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay, girls, what in the world inspired you to take three months of your life and say, okay, I'm just going to go to this mission school and do outreach in the community and study my Bible all day. What was... If I'm being totally honest, I had no idea what I wanted to do after completing school. But in saying that, I, I did want to do a rise. Obviously, being cancelled because of COVID, I was always... I prayed to God that there would be a program that could go ahead in replace of a rise. And so when I heard of local missions training, I was, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't. And Courtney Tyler, who pretty much instigated the whole thing, is we just had a conversation one night and she really placed it on my heart to go. And I felt so convicted. She was like, listen, you might never ever get the opportunity again to actually spend that time in God's word. Life gets busy. And so if you were dedicating this time to God, God will show you the direction of your life and he will lead you down the path that he wants to take you if you give him only three months of your of your time of your life and then you'll be able to um, walk in his ways then so that's what really convicted me and I was like you know what? I'm going to just make the decision to do it and I don't regret it. it's amazing decision I made yeah so why did I do LMT I'm pretty influenced by what my friends do because I don't really have like a goal I've always I'm quite lazy I put things off a lot of the time I 
procrastinate a lot and I, I say this quite often but I feel very blessed to have the mindset where I'm happy to do whatever God tells me to do if God says this is what I want you to do I'm just like okay I haven't got a plan anyway so I'll just do what you want and leading up to a rise when it got cancelled I was just like I thought that you were calling me to do a rise and now it's cancelled I don't understand what I'm gonna do now so I was just sitting around at home and then when I heard about LMT, I was just like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. It just sounds like it's not going to be very beneficial at all. And the night that I decided, I was like, no, I'm definitely not going to do it. I'm just going to say no. Boris actually called me the second that I thought that and he was like, so you're going to do LMT? And I was like, okay, I'll just do it then. I guess it was just on a whim at the time. But the more I put thought into it, I thought this is a great way to be getting closer to the God that I want to know because I don't know anything about God. And the more that I thought about that, I was like, man, I have heard of God and I know who God is, but I don't know who he is. And that was really important to me because I felt as though doing this course would help me better understand the God that I'm in love with now. And so it was uh, very special and very important to my faith and definitely an amazing way to get more involved in your community and definitely under, better understand what exactly is so important about being Seventh-day Adventist. So just so people know, Boris, you guys keep mentioning this Boris, <laughs> and he's one of the pastors of Merwillenbaugh and yes. he had something to do with the program. He was a on-site manager of yeah. local missions training, and he helped us get it yeah, going. When, yeah, when, when he was, was there, around. when he wasn't not visiting for food. <laughs> we called him the heavy. At the conference office, we said, yeah, Boris is the heavy of the program. Right. We didn't mean that. Literally, we meant that. The big dog at the, at the at local missions training. Definitely. Actually. So Aisha, what, 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 what about you? Lily said before that she didn't have any plans, but we actually decided to do an interior design course together mm. when we found out that... That's actually true, yeah. <laughs> when we found out <laughs> that Arise was cancelled. So we decided to do that. And then we heard news from Courtney that she wanted to do another program, an alternative program. And at first I said, nah, I'm going to do this with... Lily Grace. But then as I was thinking about it more, I was like, oh, why did I even want to do a rise to deepen my walk with Jesus? So I was thinking about it more and I think Lily made the decision that she was going to do it and that put influence on me. So that was a part, but I made the decision and also I was worried about where I would get the fees, but something really amazing happened and someone from the school, I think, paid for half of my tuition to go before we even started. So that was like a massive, this is what you're supposed to be doing. That, yeah. actually, that actually happened with me as well. Like uh, it wasn't somebody from the school, it was just somebody in the community. And it was kind of crazy because Asia and I would talk about it a lot and we'd be like, well, we can't even do it anyway. Like we're planning to do it and there are no funds. And everybody just kept saying, I'm not worried. I've been praying. I'm not worried. And I was like, but I am like, I don't think it's going to happen. And then the day before the fees were due, I got an email saying that somebody had anonymously paid half of it. And I was just like, oh, okay, God. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Praise God for that. Hey, so yeah, the program itself, I don't know that everyone's interested in hearing all the details of local missions and exactly what it's like there, but I was wondering if you guys could share what were some of the highs, what were some of the lows. It was a, for those of you guys, I'll give you guys a sense. Local missions just arise is it's it's a basic discipleship training where there's theoretical instruction in the class where the students get to associate with and learn from people who've got some experience in this walk with Jesus and in missional Adventism and evangelistically oriented ministry. And then they do outreach themselves. They eat together. There's meals prepared four days a week. And yeah, so you're just doing what the disciples did with Jesus. You're together eating. You worship together in the morning. 
you studied together during the day, you commit scripture to memory, that's a part of the program, and you got into the community into, in, in this case, with, with this program, to Tweed Valley, and, and give Bible studies to interested people. So that's in essence like the program, but from you guys' standpoint, what were some of your highs, some of your lows, some struggles you had, some things that you got out of the program? What, what, what was it all about for you? I enjoyed every aspect of the program. I think the memory verses were a bit of a struggle at times, but that's all right. Tell us about that. What was the memory verse like? What was that? Like, like how much scripture did you have to memorize and, and how was that a challenge for you personally? Once a week, we were given 10 Bible verses on a specific topic that we had to memorize. And I just, yeah, sometimes I just find it difficult to... Um, and only four were tested on. Yeah, so. so there was a bit. I think we started out strong. And then by the weeks, I, I will say we dropped off a little bit, which was sad. I think for me personally, it was just a little hard to have all of the stuff that we were learning as well as the memory verses and then also book reading that we had, which was great. I enjoyed the book reading. It Very pushed you a bit. It, it did. A bit. It did. Yeah. yeah, it got you out of your comfort zone and it's great learning Bible verses, but I'm going to try and do that in my own time continuously. And so one of my highlights actually was at the beginning of local missions training, a little bit different to Arise. They they actually took us to a solitude. Well, like they named it the solitude camp where we went away in log cabins for that week. And it was beautiful. We went in the Tweed Valley region near um, Natural Arch Bridge, for those who know it. And we basically had a set time where we would just spend complete aloneness with God in our Bible. And so that was pretty eye-opening for a lot of us, actually. We'd never really committed that much time without any distractions, without any phones to God. But through that, it yeah, I don't know, it just made me communicate with God a lot more confidently. I think that's a good word, just to be able to be like, all right, I don't have anything else to do and I'm going to commit this to God. It was, I think, a really good foundation to have before going into the study and continuous lectures throughout the whole thing. So that's a highlight for me. I don't know if you guys want to share that as well. Yeah, okay, so there was not a lot of negatives at all, like barely ever. But but it's good to share, right? Like the yeah, challenges, yeah, the there were challenges. You, you can't grow, right, in yeah, your walk yeah, with God course. if you're not dealing with some difficult so. <laughs> yeah that's true yeah yeah and even like you said like there's going to be valleys and then there's going to be mountains as well they're both important but with the with the valleys I guess I again like I do procrastinate a lot so it was very difficult for me to stay on time like we would have books to read they would be due every single two weeks or they would be bible verses and there was actually a time where like we had to be honest like we had an honest system we would get certificates at the end of it based on what we had done. And I had not finished a book, but I had told my group and I had told the administrators that I had. And it was very difficult. Like after after that had happened, I was kind of sitting there, man, like it's really pushing on my chest now. I really feel like I have to be honest. And that was really difficult for me to admit that I'd lied. But even when I had, it was freeing. And I guess it doesn't sound like a down, but it was very difficult for me to learn to let go of my bad habits. If I hadn't completed something, I should just admit it and be honest rather than act like I'm better than what I was. And so that for me was really difficult, just facing the flaws that were being showed to me during that course. It's so interesting that you're in a discipleship program, right? And you're talking about God and the scripture, and you're talking about living a life of mission where we're reflecting the glory and goodness of God and serving other people and committing our lives to that. And then you're given this situation where, hey, you got to read these books, guys, but it's on you just to tell the truth. That's just basically like saying, we're going to leave you with your conscience. Yeah. That's heavy. That's like a crucible, right? Like That's a pretty... 
but scenario it's good. to be in. It's really good because it's training us to, even when we think that nobody's watching us, because a lot of the time we are by ourselves. We're not always going to be in a program where we're training with other people to keep us accountable, but rather we have to listen to the Holy Spirit that's convicting us to keep us accountable for the things that we do. And so for me personally, that was really difficult. And even after I apologized, even though I had admitted that I'd done something wrong, I felt like I'd done something right. And it was really freeing. And the closer you do get to God, the more you see yourself in, in your Seriously. true light. And so it can be quite confronting to look in the mirror and be like, whoa, okay, there's actually a lot about myself, my personality, my character that needs to be more Christ-like and that I need to change about myself. But when you're in an environment where everybody is just encouraging and everybody is there for you, it demonstrates the importance of community, which is really important, especially since God emphasizes family and being together. Like that's so vital to our faith. But with the positives, like Lily said, that solitary camp was so important. It was the first time I'd spent longer than probably half an hour in my Bible. We had been put in nature, despite the weather, for two hours to just read our Bibles. And it was really different. It was really awesome to feel like really feel like we were connecting and communicating with God, even if we couldn't hear anything physically. That was just a really beautiful moment. And then to come back together and share what we had learned. Everyone's reading different parts of the Bible and coming together and sharing the treasure that they had found within it was just a really amazing experience. Even in the mornings, like we would have like testimonies, people would take devotions and stuff and we would share what we had learned and we would worship together and sing together, eat together, all those little things, not even the scripture part of it, but just being together and getting to know people more than just their physical appearance and then their introductory statement, but actually getting to know them and looking at them through Christ's perspective was really special and really important to me. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> so good. Yes. At Arise, most of the people that know about it, you actually live together. And so you're always being accounted for by other people. They always know what you're doing. But with this, we actually stayed alone in houses. So Tilly said, oh, you had to really show your honesty in that. But I guess, yeah. When you first get to know me, I'm a little bit more shy and it takes a while to open up. But I really like that about <laughs> you. Because by the way, I'm just going to interrupt you. <laughs> since, since you say you're shy, you know, I'm going to inspire you to not be by interrupting you when you're talking, but it, it's so cool. If you guys could see this girl, she, she smiles, big, bright, beautiful smile, but like this kind of like looking at Lily to know, is it okay to speak now? Cause I guess in your friendship, she's the one who talks more. Well, I want to say you may be, it's true. You're someone who, holds back yeah. a little more reserved in superficial social situations, but you're always very articulate. You always have good things to say. Mm -hmm. Just want to say that. Yeah. I agree, actually. You, yeah, when you do very speak, thoughtful. they're very... Very thoughtful. Wow, that's awesome to know. No, <laughs> no pressure now. Say something <laughs> awesome, please. Yes, as I was saying, being shy, always being in my comfort zone. In LT, we did things like Bible work, like Bible work. So like Bible studies, door knocking, doing sermons, taking worships, doing Bible studies at the school. And for me, that was really, oh, I don't want to do this. But doing that, being out of my comfort zone, it really grew me out of my comfort zone. And I learned to, it grew my confidence a lot. And that is a big thing for me. So like even in Sabbath schools or when we talk together as a group about the Bible and stuff, I would always never say anything, never contribute anything, but now I'm finding myself wanting to share, wanting to tell people what I've learned. And that, yeah, that LMT has really grown my confidence a lot. Yeah. So that was awesome. I want to make a comment on that. Yeah, I think 
for all of us, yeah, door knocking especially got us out of our comfort zones because you're going up to a stranger's door, you're in their space, you feel really awkward and you just have to, you honestly, like it, it really makes you realise how small you are in comparison to like the power of God. And we literally were so weak and we couldn't do it on our own. And it just, it enabled us to really, truly realise how, yeah, we need God's strength and power in everyday life and especially in that situation. So we were able to get uncomfortable, but we always came back with positive experiences, even though it could be discouraging at times when people weren't always open. So it was good. So why did the program ask you guys to go out into the community and knock on doors. I don't. I don't think it was for the community. I think it was for us because they constantly kept saying that. That like I've heard Boris say several times, like Bible working. Uh, like sorry, door knocking isn't normally for the community. It's normally for the Bible workers to get used to understanding their part and place in God's plan, and it also helps us get a better perspective that we're like we're the workers of God. And like we're out doing His work, and his, the people that we're knocking on, like the doors that we're knocking on, they're not our people, and. It's not when we would come back and we would talk about the people that we had gotten yeses from for Bible studies. It was never like we got people. It was Mm -hmm. God got more people. These are God's people that we're leading. It's not our people. It's not our achievements. And I think that was so vital for us to remember because sometimes people in general can claim things for themselves and say the things that we have done, the things that um, we have achieved, when really we forget that everything that we do comes from God because Mm -hmm. we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so nothing is for us to claim. And by practicing that and coming back together and constantly saying, this is what we've done for God and God has done this through us, it really kept us planted in God and reminded us where our place was in him. Amen. What do you girls think? Is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Like the cool people in the church would say, arise and these local missions guys, they just have these old fashioned ways of doing things and they think you should still knock on doors. We're so past that. That's a disposition of a very, I'd say a small segment of people who don't understand or take the time to even ask why we do what we do. But that can be a criticism. But from, from the standpoint of young people, and you look very normal to me, you don't look like people who dress as if they're in the 1915s or 19-teens <laughs> or 1920s. You're normal, well-adjusted young women who love God, but yet who are socially well-adjusted, and you went knocking on doors in the community because you went to a conference-supported mission school. And, and so I'm asking the question, why did you do it? I think you answered really well, but why do you? Th- is there any other thoughts you have on that, like why you think you were sent out or why, why you were sent out? Yeah, I'll just quickly comment. So yeah, I I totally agree with you, Talia. I think a big reason was for us to understand that, yeah, we can't do it on our own. Another reason is kind of just to, I I personally think, is to understand and get like a close-up look at like different people's beliefs. It was very interesting with the survey that we did. Just to get the answers back, I actually didn't get an answer the same. There was so many different people that I got to look at and to try and, I don't know, examine. It was interesting for me to be like, wow, all these different people have had completely different walks of life. And here I am at their door at this one particular moment. And just to understand and have a different perspective on their worldview and what they believe about religion, whether it be God or life after death or hell even, it was very eye-opening to realise God can use those people. And when you plant a seed... You don't know what that's going to be like in their next, wherever they are next. So I think that was good for, to understand that as well, like more. Super educational. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. I tell people all the time, because I probably am more responsible for Arise Students 
going door to door and local mission students going door to door than anyone. Because, and when I say that, what I mean is a lot of people just, they'll say, look, going out door to door is not the best way to win people. It's not the best way to develop a relationship. There's just a, there's a huge, you know, gap between you and that person. You're just going up to a stranger. Networking through already established social networks is a way better way to to meet people, develop relationships, develop confidence in people, and then encourage them to study the Bible with you. That's, and it, for me, it's no duh. Like, of course. Yeah, I know that. I've been doing outreach ministry for two decades. I could get that. And so then they'll say, why do you send discipleship program students door to door? And I said, well, that's the whole point. It's not about what is the best way to make connection in the community. It's what's the best way to train individuals so that they will be able to connect in whatever context they find themselves in. So there's tons of people who have the skills necessary to be amazing soul winners without going door to door, but there's a lot of people who don't. I'd say the majority of Seventh-day Adventist believers or even just Christ followers do not possess the what it takes, I'll say, to ask a cousin to study the Bible with them. They just don't. Like, and, and it's just it's such a foreign world to them, just the whole concept of talking to someone about spiritual things, understanding where people are coming from, having the willingness to walk in faith and be persistent. So like you go out into the community and you knock on people's doors. Okay, what does it take to do that successfully? It takes, number one, a work ethic. Number two, a willingness to do things that are uncomfortable and unpleasant. Number three, humility, like radical humility. Number four, sensitivity to what other people feel and, and think. Number five, discernment, right? Six, a willingness to listen to the Holy Spirit at all times. And so, interestingly, if you list those all down and then you say, hey, what's a good soul winner look like? It's someone who can do all those things. So we don't send people door to door at Arise and local missions because we think, because we're stuck in the 1915s. No, we just understand that the skills and character developed in doing that can help anyone in any ministry. So since we're doing basic discipleship training, let's give a challenge to our students that will push them beyond themselves and force them to take on the scary giant Goliath and overcome that. And then in the future, they'll go, wow, I was able to overcome this really tough thing. And now I know that God can help me in another area. So if you can overcome the fears and the difficulties and challenges of going up to strangers at their door, then surely it'll be easy for you to go to the lady who just visited church for the first time who's crying in the corner and just talk to her, right? Because if you go to our churches every Sabbath, there's tons of people in the corner. Like visit, There's tons of visitors. Every Sabbath, on average, before COVID, we'd have 50 visitors in our conference churches every week, right? On average, like at least. And so why aren't those people being engaged with to the point where they're in Bible studies or people are ministering to them? Because nobody's paying attention because their spiritual intuition is not there. Why not? Because it hasn't been developed. Now, it doesn't need, they don't need to go door to develop it, but, but they should do a, a similar kind of activity that will force them to develop those kinds of skills, yeah. So that's my little sermon on door-to-door stuff. Yeah. I, was, I was just going to say, not, not that it's an insult at all. Sometimes I just feel, though, that um, some churches rely on the people in charge of everything to do everything. And members can get stuck in this mindset that they don't really need to do much to contribute to other people's faith. But they don't realize that they're, that God can use them in ways that they can't use the leaders to connect with those people. Maybe you're experiencing something that person specifically is going through that you would be able to relate to that somebody else wouldn't be able to. And like even being at Raymond Terrace, it's quite a small church, but it's it's more like a family. 
And it's just so wonderful to see how everybody comes in, everybody's talking, everybody has a relationship with every single person there, you know everybody's name. And it's more than just people coming together and praising God, it's people coming together, celebrating their friendship with each other and the communion together and God. And it's just really loving and wonderful to see. And that would be so awesome to see in churches back at home, to see everybody communicating with everybody, not just sticking in their groups, even if it is a big church, because we're not there to separate ourselves. We're there to come together and really mix and just celebrate God for being the amazing God that he is. And I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you have anything to add? I was yeah, just, well, Aisha, you were, so I didn't want to leave you out there. I did my little sermon on why as sure. a, as an evangelism director, or personal ministries director, I, in our programs ar- arise, why we have our students doing the door to door thing. Did you want to add to that or you didn't have to, no pressure. I guess being lost, <laughs> it's already covered, but yeah, for me, every time I door knocked with my partner Shanna, most of the time no one would want to answer or talk about the Bible with you or invite you in. Mostly you'd just keep walking on doing go to the next door. But even if it wasn't asking for Bible studies, we would just be friendly and have a nice conversation with them. And I remember I think it was Boris or someone from one of the speakers said that even if they say no, they're more inclined for the next year's Bible workers or local mission volunteers or whoever for the year after for them to be more open to doing it. I just wanted to be friendly and maybe that could leave an impact on them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've always thought, I've always thought when you do a discipleship program, it's going to, you, you should teach people what's, what it's, what the most difficult parts of ministry or outreach ministry. It's like this. We do, if I were to divide outreach ministry into the development of interests and then the reaping of decisions. I would say that the reaping of decisions side of things and the kind of like more confrontational elements of outreach are the hardest parts Um, for most people, not for everyone, but for most people, like asking someone to study the Bible with you, appealing to someone in a Bible study to accept and apply what they're learning from scripture to make commitments. Those aspects and elements of outreach, I think are a lot more difficult than say the kind of community service sides or the kind of interest generating side. So if if I do a food bank, like I think that's on an emotional and psychological level, a lot easier for the individual on a spiritual level. That's a lot easier. And so when you throw, when you do a discipleship training program where people come for 11 weeks or 14 weeks, they pay a certain amount of money. Why not teach the skills that are the most difficult to teach and that require the most support and assistance, right? So there was a pastor here locally who he, he and I were talking and he had a, a critique for me in regards to Arise Kids. He's like, these Arise Kids, you just teach them to go for the kill. And I would say, no, not necessarily. We don't just teach them to go for the kill. What, what we're doing is while we have them in an environment with a ton of support, is teaching them the things that, to teaching them to do the things that are most naturally difficult to do because it's easy to take people who are brave enough to go for it and tell them to dial it back. That's easy. Then it's way easier to do that than to take people who know how to do community service stuff and then turn tell them to turn it up a little bit. So that, and this is why in the local church scenario we can have thousands and thousands of people that we're ministering to on a community service level, but then we're not getting any Bible studies out of it. And it's because we've got a ton of people who are perfectly happy to be friendly, but not perfectly happy to go any further. And so in a discipleship program like Arise or LMT, you're just like, okay, this is how you go further. Now, it's very easy to stand at a food bank and just smile and, hey, how you going? And ask questions and whatever. That's the easier part for most people. Some people I know are different. They just walk up to everyone and tell them about 
the end of the world, but that's not most of us. Cool. Listen, guys, this has been awesome. Thanks for chatting. You've gone from local missions training to now your local missions volunteers. So you're Bible working with two local churches in Newcastle. And it'd be cool to have you guys back and we can just keep telling the story of you three ladies. Just one more thing that I wanted to add on top of that was that sometimes people think that they need to be very experienced to give Bible studies, but we are told that you only need to know a little bit more than the person that you're teaching. And and you don't need to be qualified as a pastor or as a deacon to give Bible studies to people. You just need to know a little bit more than them. And even with the training, I think it's very important that if you are on a journey, like you continue taking the next step and you do the next right thing. Because by sitting around and doing nothing and kind of wasting that knowledge if you don't give the knowledge that you've learned then you're just keeping it all for yourself and and it's going to lose its value so the same way that you would invest in stock and stuff which you have a lot of experience in i'm guessing but the same way that you would invest in something you invest in the knowledge that you've learned with other people so that they can better know the god that you've learned about as well yeah amen well thank you guys so much for joining me today and i hope that you guys were as blessed as i have been to hear a little bit more of the stories of these local missions training program students please keep us in your prayers as we continue to invest in others it's a lot easier to run programs where you just spend a little bit of money have a one-week program it's a lot more difficult to invest in people in the long term and that's what we as a conference really are committed to doing and we thank you so much for your your past support of arise and the discipleship training ministries of this conference including local missions god bless you guys and we'll see you later